0: You move me out of the way to bring forth your word of truth to impart to hearts and lives, even now. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Today, we will be continuing our study on the truth about heaven. And if you remember when we were together the last time, we talked about a little bit about what we will be like in heaven. We will continue that theme today. Remember we said that we will be perfect and have perfect joy. We also mentioned how we would have what type of bodies? Glorified bodies. Just like Jesus' glorified body. We have said many times in this series, and the Bible teaches that, teaches us that to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Let me say this, dear friends. The doctrine of one's body being raised in the resurrection is what you call essential to the message of Christianity. In other words, if you do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, you can't really call yourself a Christian. Now, can you? No, that is an essential tenet of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 is the key chapter on the resurrection, and we'll be looking mainly in the book of 1 Corinthians today, so you can turn to 1 Corinthians 15, verses 16 to 17. And here Paul writes, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is Worthless, you are still in your sins. The apostle Paul obviously knew that I would be speaking to some who are farmers today, and I'm sure you are very familiar with this process. He gives a vivid illustration in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 36 and 37 where he's addressing some of the skeptics who say there is no resurrection. And he says this pretty directly where he calls them what? Fool. He said you fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it does what? Dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body, which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps of wheat or of something else. Most farmers, in fact, know this, that when they plant a seed, the first thing the seed does is to die. And being in science, what happens in the process is that after the seed has been put in the ground, it starts a process of fermenting and decomposing. This process is actually what causes the new life in the plant. Beloved, not to be too graphic here, but this is the same things that will happen to our bodies once it is put in the grave and one day will be raised. We know that when we plant a seed of anything such as corn or beans or anything else, it produces something much bigger and greater than the little seed that was put into the ground, does it not? Yes. To illustrate this even more, one knows that if they plant an acorn, what type of tree will be produced? An oak tree. It's not going to produce a maple. It's not going to produce an apple tree. It's only going to produce what type of tree? An oak tree. Likewise, it will be with our bodies. Once it is raised, it will be far greater than anything we can imagine. It will be a glorified body without any defects or diseases. It will have nothing of the old imperfect body, but will be perfect in every sense. But it will have a resemblance to the body that is put in the grave. It will just be gloriously perfect in every sense, greater and gloriously perfect in every sense. And what I found most fascinating in this study is that God will create a different kind of flesh for us. It would not be flesh like our earthly flesh. It would be flesh in what we understand flesh to be, but it would be different because it would be flesh that is perfect. And I don't know how it will look or how it will feel. All I know is that it will be glorious and perfect so all that to say this God in all of his majesty and power can definitely create a human flesh that is fit for heaven the apostle Paul brings this all together in first Corinthians 15 verses 42 to 44 where he says so also is the resurrection of the dead It is sown a perfect, a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a, what type of body? Spiritual body. He says, listen, friends, our resurrected body will be new in every way imaginable. When the body is buried, it is dead. But when it is raised, it is imperishable. The body is buried and full of decay. And in one sense, does not really have any glory. But Paul says it is raised as something glorious. We all know that a dead body really has no power. You can dress it up, you can fix it up, you can make it look beautiful as you would like, but it has no power at all. The body is still dead. So we know that a dead body has no power, but when the body is raised, it will be powerful. In other words, the body goes down in the ground without any life, but it is raised to a new life, where there is not only the new physical life, but spiritual life as well. Just know this, beloved, in heaven we will have bodies that are forever and always perfect. Listen to this. You won't have to look in the mirror to see if you have a pimple or a wrinkle, because there will will never be any on your face. You won't have to wash the gray right out of your hair unless you were born with gray because you won't get old. You will never have to wake up having to pop a bunch of pills for aches and pains because there won't be any aches and pains. You won't have to go to see a cardiologist about your heart disease because you won't have any heart disease. You won't have to deal with allergies because there will be nothing to make you allergic There will be no need for any radiation or chemotherapy because, praise God, cancer cannot exist in heaven. Those things cannot be in heaven because your body will be absolutely and imperishably perfect. And I just made up that word imperishably. Don't think it exists. You can call it a Christopherism. Remember, we will also have other abilities in heaven. Does anyone remember how high we said the heavenly city was? Yes, it is 1,500 miles. And after my last message, one of our daughters, putting her Wanting to put her math skills to work, wanted to convert the miles to feet. So she tells me, and told me that one thousand five hundred miles is equivalent to get this seven million nine hundred and twenty thousand feet and that is what you call high so how long would it take you to take an elevator to get to the top but get this dear friends you won't have to take an elevator but you can be there in an instant remember you will have a what type of body glorified body. So the best picture of what our bodies would be like in heaven is to look at Jesus' resurrection body. Remember we talked about eating the different kinds of fruit to simply enjoy and not to gain calories? It is really very hard to imagine that we will be able to move about heaven and we will never grow old, never get sick, Never experience an inkling of pain or sorrow, of tears, and absolutely no death. Beloved, that is why we should not find our greatest delight and joy and comfort in the earthly life. God's plan is to make us like Christ, which is exceedingly. And far, far better, is it not? Yes. So dear friends, why would you want to set your affections on things on this earth that are passing away and not in heaven? If you have your affections set only on this life, dear friends, you will never be satisfied. So what will our relationships be like with others in heaven? One of the main questions that people ask is, will I be married in heaven? Some may hope that the answer is no, (laughs) and others are sad if there is no marriage in heaven. The same Apostle Paul who wrote on the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 also wrote on marriage in 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 29 through 31. been shortened so that from now on those who have wives should be as those should be as though they had none and those who weep as though they did not weep and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice and those who buy as though they did not possess and those who use the world as though they did not make use make full use of it for the form of this world is passing away so when Paul says those who have wives should be as though they had none, he is not saying, men, to get rid of your wives. I know, although I know some of you might like to do that, that's not what he's saying. <laughs> Paul is not giving that, ador- that endorsement here. So although marriage is indeed the grace of life and is very wonderful and comes with a great responsibility of loving her as Christ loves what? The church. What Paul is saying here is that one should not use marriage as an excuse for not serving the Lord or not thinking about things above and setting one's minds and affections on things in heaven. One should never get so caught up in things on the earth that they lose focus of their citizenship, which it should be where? In heaven. Men, if you are married, Paul is absolutely not saying to just put your marriage on the back burner. This passage is here to let us know that marriage is temporary, temporary and passing away. So the answer of will there be marriage in heaven is N-O, no, no. And our Lord makes this very clear when he speaks on this in Matthew 22, when he lets the religious leaders know that marriage is only for those on earth. The thing you have to understand is that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Thus, they were sad, you see. Someone said it with me. (laughs) The Pharisees, on the other hand, believed in the resurrection But they believed that you would still be married forever in heaven, just as you are on earth. So they, of course, want to try to pose a question to Jesus, which they were sure he was not able to answer. So this is how it all went down in verse 23. It says, on that day, some Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother asks next of kin, shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 25, this is called the leveret marriage. And some of our children have been learning about this in their psalm study of the Bible bee in the book of Ruth. So the religious leaders continued on in verses 25 through 28 and say, Now, there were seven brothers with us, and the first married and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brothers. So also the second and the third down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died in the resurrection will she be for they all had her for they all had married her Jesus did not miss a beat and rebukes them and pops their proverbial bubble in verses 29 through 30 where he says you are mistaken not understanding the scriptures nor the power of God for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage God designed for a man and a woman to what you have to remember is in the resurrection he says that They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. What you have to remember is that marriage is for earthly reasons. God made woman for man as a what? Helper. And God gave man to woman as a protector. And in marriage, God designed for a man and a woman to procreate or to have children. The fact of the matter is that in heaven, glorified men will no longer need a woman because they will be perfect, and glorified women will no longer need a protector because they will be perfect. We know that in our culture today, there is much talk about gender confusion, and some have said that Jesus' reply to the Sadducees means that we will not have a gender in heaven. And I have a Greek word for that. Spell H-O-G-W-A-S-H. Hogwash. He never said such. Jesus did not say this. And this can be nowhere further from the truth, and it's not taught anywhere in the Bible. All one has to do is go back to John 20, 15, when Mary first saw Jesus, and it says, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And this is what it says, supposing him to be The gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. There is nothing genderless about this. What you have to understand that in the culture, the job of a gardener was primarily that of a man. That is why Mary said to him, if you have carried him, where have you laid him? Take him away. Beloved, there is nothing in the scriptures that tell us that men will not be men in heaven and women will not be women in heaven. Quite the contrary. So there will be no marriage in heaven because the institution of marriage will pass away. I know that some of you may say, but I love my wife and she is my best friend. I know. I know that there is no marriage in heaven, but like one of my friends says, I know that there is no marriage in heaven, but I will be chasing the one who I was married to on earth all around heaven. <laughs> and that's what I'll be doing. Another question that people have about heaven is will we know each other? The simple answer is yes. Beloved we will be who we are right now but without any illnesses or defects. Remember that when Christ was talking on the Mount of Transfiguration Moses was seen to be was he David? Who was Moses? Moses. Elijah was seen to be Elijah and Elijah had been taken to heaven many many years before and Moses had been taken to, to heaven even more years than that they were both able to be recognized and still had their personalities but were in a glorified and perfect state even when the Sadducees were trying to stump Jesus with the question of marriage in Matthew twenty-two thirty-two, Jesus said I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Did he say I was? He said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of what? The living Jesus' point here is that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in heaven. Still another question people have about relationships in heaven is, will I be reunited with my family and friends in heaven? The answer is an overwhelming and hearty yes. Not only will we be reunited with our loved ones, but we will be reunited with all believers from all of time. And we will really be one big loving family. If you like being with large families, as we do, great. Because everyone will be in a large family. Unquestionably, the best thing about heaven will be our constant fellowship with our great God. That is why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. In heaven, our fellowship will in no way be marred by any sin. This one thing is for certain. We are not just going to a place. But we are going to be with a person. See, but most of all, we long to see you, Christ. Because with the king of kings. Isn't that great? The pages of Scripture and First Corinthians and Revelation. We serve Him day and night in His temple, and He who sits on the in all His greatness, all His fullness, and His name is Jesus. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. For the things in heaven, and not the things here on earth, knowing that our citizenship is there, and that is, it will no longer be clouded, and no longer be marred by sin. God, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained His. As long as we are in close relationship with You, fellowshipping with You forever out of the tabernacle and we know that one could go into the holy of holies of the glory on the mount of transfiguration flesh and dwelt among us lord willing next time will probably be our last message Various other things. John says it best in Revelation twenty two three where he said the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Jesus said in John fourteen two, am i the very view of his perfect righteousness would consume us instantly. You are the one who makes heaven heaven. So we the desert. But there were very strict rules and regulations about going in and I out- continue to store up things there in heaven for the praise and honor of your God. What a day that will be. We pray that you would help us that you would etch this message. And had built a tabernacle or God's tent. In the middle of in John one eighteen, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten there is no place for sin and we will see God's glory. Kings hardly ever come out to mingle amongst the common. So very important, and maybe why I so enjoy. For never and ever and ever being there. So much for these times when we have looked. Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit forever listen dear friends being in the presence of the Lord it's called the beatific view that we will have that is why John says Noah and many others who we may long to peer in heart for they shall what among them What you have to get in your minds is that the Israelites. So what is it that most satisfies you? He will dwell among them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among. So profound, so incredibly awesome. Carries the idea that this is something that we will be constantly doing. And that is looking at God and seeing Him face to face, preparing rooms in the Father's house for all those beloved. This is why the incarn- incarnation is so. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He." Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so mind-boggling that we really can't grasp all that you have now we can understand why Peter may have said in Matthew after he got just a glimpse is it a new set of clothes it is getting that promotion you've been waiting for new house new car special meal you wanted to make tabernacles there you wanted to stay there Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you people? But get this, friends. We will forever have fellowship and communion. We will look at angels. Look at angels. As believers, our greatest delight will come so that he might save us and take us to heaven where we will be with the Trinity. With the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, blazing glory, and behold Him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever glory and of Your name. We love You, Lord Jesus. We bless Your time. John says in John one fourteen, and the Word became what man. We will see His incredible beauty. An unspeakable have in store for us in heaven preparing rooms having a, an intimate that no one could go into the holy of holies except whom is what makes heaven heaven that in heaven we will actually see the Lord face to face the high priest and how many times were they able to go there once a year of god and of the lamb will be in it and his bond servants will serve him The to grasp here is that jesus has been personally you that i go to prepare a place for you what you have the apostle john says it well in revelation 21 3 where he says Etch these truths into our heart and mind, and that you would help us to have a greater longing, face to face. Then our faith will be turned to sight. Amen. Seeing our loved ones, seeing in all its fullness. What a thought! Because John says. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they. But in Revelation seven fifteen, the apostle, Your name, we exalt you, and we pray all of this in Your precious name, Lord Jesus. The incarnation is because when Christ came, the first and living God, how amazing! remember dear friends in this sinful flesh we cannot see God face to face in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 8 Jesus says blessed are the the saints of old seeing Elijah, seeing Moses, seeing David or is is it that exotic vacation is that your heart's desire I sure pray so when we see our God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and when we see Him, those who are His called, that means that we can have the most incredible and intimate relationship with Jesus. A relationship that is so very close with the true See God. The verb to see is there will no longer be any curse. In the throne of the most God. wonderful part about all of his coming to dwell or tabernacle among us is that he did this, and I bet some of you didn't know that you would have Jesus' name on your foreheads.